Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. What my son and I talk about is risk is a muscle that needs to be used. And I think every step you take leads to the next thing. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Deals and money. We are constantly seeking deals and money as real estate investors, and I bet you're having a challenge right now, especially with deals, if you're like most real estate investors, because it's tough to find deals right now. But here's the thing. There's a competitive advantage out there that when implemented, it will help you accomplish your objective of getting more deals and or getting more investors. And that is having a great follow-up system. Having a great follow-up is one of the keys to success in real estate. And Follow-Up Boss is the leading CRM for real estate. This is the system you need in place so you can reach out to owners and brokers directly for deals or you can follow up with your investors and you do it all in one spot. The CRM makes it 10 times faster to call and text owners, then integrates those into a software so nothing slips through the cracks. The Follow-Up Boss conversion system and powerful management tools help align your message and drive growth that otherwise it could have been missed and probably would have been missed. Go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever to get a system in place. And if you need help, they got you covered. Follow Up Boss offers experts seven days a week. You can pick up the phone and speak to an actual human being anytime during business hours. Visit followupboss.com forward slash best ever to check out how much time you could save by streamlining your follow-up process. Best ever listeners, they're treating you extra special. You get an extended 30-day free trial, twice the length of the normal trial. For a limited time, go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever and perfect your follow-up. Mark your calendars for the Best Ever Conference February 24th through 26th, back in person at the Gaylord Rockies Convention Center. Join the experienced community and phenomenal speakers for a weekend of learning the best commercial real estate strategies, building relationships, and quite frankly, having a lot of fun. As a bonus, once you purchase your ticket, you are put into a mini mastermind group to start making connections with other commercial real estate investors immediately. Get the lowest prices right now at besteverconference.com. That's besteverconference.com. Best ever listeners, I'm excited to introduce you to our newest host that we're bringing on to the team. His name is Slocum Reed, along with myself and Ash. Slocum will be providing value to every interview he does I've known Slocum for years, and I've watched his portfolio continue to grow. 
He currently owns and operates 65 units, including converting three units into an office building. So he's an owner-operator. He's coming from certainly a different perspective than I have. I know he's going to bring his expertise and cut through the fluff and get the best real estate investing advice ever for you. So welcome, Slocum Reed. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Slocum Reed. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. And today we have Eric Hemingway with us. How you doing, Eric? Great. How you doing, Slocum? Doing fantastic. Excited to be interviewing you. Eric is the founder of Nomad Capital, which focuses on heavy value add properties, bringing an in-house GC component to their projects. The self-storage conversions, ground-up development, boutique hospitality, and commercial retail asset classes. Current portfolio is $35 million in commercial real estate, primarily in self-storage. Eric used passive investing to leave the 9-to-5 life and take his family on adventures, including Costa Rica for a year and a half and sailing through the Mediterranean and across the Atlantic Ocean. Now he's more active, though, as a GP. He is based in Wilmington, North Carolina. Eric, preparing for this session, the thing that stuck out to me was that you focus on heavy value add properties. What do you consider heavy value add? So for us, a heavy value add would be, we've got a couple uh, Kmart conversions to storage right now. We've done ground up development. We really like to think out of the box and really think creatively. I think that's one of our biggest strengths. When I say our, it's my son and I are partners. So we like to kind of look at stuff that everybody else has overlooked and see where we can rethink how it's being done and maybe pivot into something else. How long have you been doing these kinds of projects? I've been in construction for over 25 years on my own with my own license since 2001. So just past 20 years on that. And as you mentioned, we traveled abroad for a total of about five years. And after coming back to the States in North Carolina, it was time to get back to work. And we started with rehabbing old houses and Wilmington has a huge historic area. So we were crawling under houses, reframing all that. And after a few years of that, I said, something's got to change. So we, we pivoted into commercial and kind of been focused on that since about 2016 or so. Nice. It's great that you bring that construction component to your deals. It's especially vital right now with how difficult it is to find good quality contractors and good quality labor. Now with a Kmart conversion, turning an old big box store into self-storage, something like that, that would definitely be considered heavy value add. In fact, you're changing asset classes with a property like that, as opposed to a typical self-storage deal or a typical self-storage value add, how do you calculate the difference in risk when you're taking something like a big box store and converting it into a completely different asset class? How do you assess the risk involved in that differently? Great question. So we kind of broke it down into four buckets, if you will. Highest risk would be ground up development. You're going to buy land, hire an architect, get it designed, engineering, permitting, build the thing. If you're not a general contractor, you're hiring a general contractor, going through risks like materials costs through the roof, like we've seen. So that's the highest risk. The next one in our mind is a conversion where a lot of the heavy lifting is already done. We've got the footprint, the buildings there. It's really repurposing it. You're not designing parking, drainage, sewer and water connections, all of that. Then the next step in my mind would be a mismanaged property that's already storage, but just 
neglected, rents are way below market. There's a lot of value still to add there. And then of course, the least risky project would be to buy something. If we're just talking about storage, buy something at a cap rate, stabilized. Maybe there's some little dials you can turn. (laughs) You can lower expenses a little bit, raise rents, but basically all the juice is squeezed out of it. So for our appetite, we are doing a little bit of the first and second bucket. And just for the value, we want to bring our investors. We don't find a lot of project that makes sense at the third and fourth bucket. It seems like all of the heavy lifting in the value add has already been done. So that's why we like that. And that second bucket is kind of where we're focusing right now, if that makes sense. And how many of these Kmart conversion style deals have you done now? We converted a printing company in Wilmington uh, in 2016. Not a huge project. It was about 30,000 gross square footage and we have 24, 25,000 net rentable. So that was our first conversion. And then we've got two Kmarts right now that we're working on, one under construction and one under contract. Gotcha. Tell me about the one under construction. What do the big picture numbers look like? It was 1.5 million purchase. It was 87,000 square feet. So what is that? Uh, I should know it. $14, $15 a foot, which is way below replacement cost. So we're going to have about $22 to $24 in converting it to storage. So we're going to be all in for 35 range, 36. And we're seeing storage trading at 70 to 100 and up. So we feel like that's a great day and that's something we should be able to pass on to investors and everybody has a great day at that. So it's going to cash flow, stabilize fairly quickly, and that's our target. Gotcha. How long is the hold period on a deal like that? So we're targeting five years. So we just closed on this first one, December 1st, 2021. So we're in the demo mode and we hope to have units to rent early summer because it's not as daunting a task as a ground up project. So yeah, we're shooting for a six, seven month build out. And then our target is to hold it for five to seven years. And of course, as we approach that threshold, we'll see what the markets at four years, if it makes sense to get out early, we see the horizon and and we see interest rates are going to spike up and now's the time to get out. Or we decide to hold until the full seven or kind of play it by ear at that point. You said six months to deliver. Is that the entire 87 square feet is rentable and available to the open market? Yeah. We debated doing it in phases and just decided for the ease of simplicity and mobilization, our crew's there, our guys are there. Let's just knock it out. So that's kind of what we're targeting for that. So we should be open hopefully July. That's awesome. $34 million worth of renovation in six months seems exciting and fast. I know if someone who didn't have your construction background, numbers like that sound like a pipe dream. But when you look at the experience and the value that you bring, that's exciting. And it's exciting that you'd be able to deliver on that that quickly. And I would be surprised if you didn't find a really good opportunity to sell before that five-year mark. Could be. So you were mentioning to me before we started recording, Eric, that you and your son are partners in Nomad Capital and that you're syndicating deals like this, which means you're bringing on limited partners. And you said that you just now that you're underwriting to the five-year hold, which gives a great point of comparison for those light value add or mismanaged asset deals when it comes to the kinds of returns that you can project and what it is that you're offering to LPs. So when you were putting together your proposal for this one that you just closed on in December that you're currently Mm -hmm. demoing, 
Mm-hmm. What is it that you are offering to an investor? What kind of return? We're targeting 18 to 21% IRR on the five-year. And then, of course, as the scale slides, if you're taking on less risky deals, of course, then it, there's less meat on the bone, if you will. And I think that's when you get into the 10 to 12, 13% IRR because there's just not enough there. So that's kind of why we like those. It's in our skill set. It's in our wheelhouse. We're comfortable with it. So we can bring the GC side. We can bring the sponsor side. And we also do in-house property management as well. So we have that going for it. So this will be our fifth site. And then the sixth one is under contract. Nice. So you said an 18% IRR, and this is for one of those, not the highest tier of risk. That would be your ground up construction deals. And that makes sense across the board. An 18% IRR for these kinds of conversions of an existing structure into a new asset class to self-storage. Have you syndicated a ground up construction deal yet? We have not. The ones we've got on the plate right now are conversions. And we do have one that's under contract that's a CFO. We're buying it as soon as it's complete. And there is one fifth building that we're going to add immediately on that. So that's a small, small component of a ground up. But we do have a couple of ground up projects going, but we didn't syndicate those. They're just in-house. And all of these will be self-storage properties when you're done with them? Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Yep. Eric, I've had the opportunity to speak with a few people in the self-storage area, which I'm not personally in myself. Driving to some of my properties, I see little mom and pop self-storage places and I see the phone number and I keep thinking to myself, man, I need to call them. Uh, (laughs) But I haven't yet. I do need to call them. It's Uh, worth a call. See if they're interesting. Of course. And I'm already in the car (laughs) driving by, Right. right? And I already own assets in the area. These conversion deals, how is it that you analyze the demand for self-storage in a given market? So initially when we find a property, we just do our own due diligence, start basically Google Maps, find out what other storages are nearby, kind of population. We are on CoStar, so we see some demographics. And then of course we order a feasibility study right away after the property is under contract. And that really gives us a good gauge of how aggressive the market is and what the appetite is for more storage there. So we definitely check those boxes while we're under contract to make sure it's the right move. And one of the reasons we started leaning towards the conversions was there's a lot of storage hitting the market right now. And a lot of longtime operators are getting out because the time is right for them to get out and make a change. But the market is so hot for storage that I can't remember the last time I saw an offer of a new property that came with a price. It's just call for offers, call for offers. So it's like, I just don't want to get in that frenzy and up bid. And this one went a million five over ask. And I just don't want to play that game. So we really like the conversions because it's under the radar. It's kind of stealthy, which if we like, so there's a building that's ugly and we turned into storage, paint it, dress it up, signage. And all of a sudden, boom, there's a storage when everybody was fighting over this market. And here we come half price or 40% of the market and boom, there's another competitor. Do you have any particular market research that you do or analytics or metrics that you track for the changes in demand for self-storage? Like I'm imagining as an outsider to the self-storage space, who's familiar with real estate investing, that there's got to be some sort of number for every X household's you're going to have a demand for Y self-storage units or Y square feet of self-storage in a Mm -hmm. given market or within a given radius. Does something like that exist? 
Oh, sure. A square foot per capita is a number that a lot of storage guys have used. Historically, it's been about... What numbers do you use? Historically, it's been seven to nine square feet per person in a given market. So you can kind of gauge what storage is there and what Yardi Matrix has a lot of data on that. CoStar will have some data, but you can back out where it's at. But interesting thing is that number has grown pretty significantly over the past three years or so, specifically since COVID, since everyone's moving around and with the national trend, affordable housing, of course, multifamily, as you well know, just going up everywhere and people are able to afford less square footage. So that's pushing storage. So now the number's probably closer to 12, 13, and a market's not considered saturated until it's at 14, 15, 16, depending on the MSA. So that's definitely changing. And storage as a general asset class has just been on fire the past couple of years. I think last year nationwide saw 20, 22% increase in rental rates. So that's a lot in one year. We'll get back to the show with the first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Let me ask you a question. Do you want to start your own syndication business or maybe you've tried, but you've been unable to get your first apartment deal? Well, it's hard. I know firsthand getting started in syndication is not easy. So have you considered working with a mentor? Imagine working one-on-one with a full-time syndicator who can help you do your first apartment building deal faster, help you avoid big mistakes, and scale your portfolio. If you feel like I'm speaking to you right now, then I want you to check out the mentoring program from my friend Michael Blanc who specializes in helping people get started with apartment buildings. I've known Michael for many years now and he genuinely wants to help people become financially free. He developed a proven system and has helped hundreds of people do their first apartment building deal. I know he can help you as well. To find out more, text the word Joe, J-O-E, to 66866. I know Michael's going to take care of you. Go ahead and text the word Joe, J-O-E to 66866. Do it right now while it's fresh on your mind and let's get you started with your own apartment syndication business. I'd like to introduce you to my good friends over at PassiveInvesting.com, a private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. PassiveInvesting.com makes it easy for you to start investing in real estate. They focus on acquiring institutional quality apartments and self-storage facilities with private accredited investor funds. They also have a real estate debt fund that offers hard money loans to local fix and flippers across the U.S., which currently has a 0% default rate. With a portfolio of over $700 million in assets and controlling over $250 million in equity, they know how to secure the best deals and how to avoid the red flags. If you are interested in learning more, please reach out directly to PassiveInvesting.com and request the free Passive investor guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags. Eric, I know that everything that you do cannot be summarized quickly in 15 or 30 seconds, but what's stirring in my head based on what you're saying, Eric, is that if I understand a market well enough that I can draw a circle around a fairly homogenous area within a market. And then I can figure out how many square feet of storage there are per person within that circle that I drew or that squiggle that I drew. Balanced market would be 12. Saturated would be 14 to 16 square feet per person in that area. 
But if I found a space where there were only six to nine square feet of cell storage per person within that squiggle, it seems like that would be an exciting place to find a Kmart. Is that, is that <laughs> what you're saying? Yeah, hundred percent. You'll see it in broker listings and stuff that this property is for sale. There's only three or four square feet per capita in this market. And they're saying this has the ability to expand. Of course, that'd be very attractive to us because the market is already undersupplied in our opinion. So yeah, of course, if you find something like that, that would definitely be worth exploring, I would think. What were you investing in before self-storage? My background as a builder, I did some light commercial. My first storage I built in Arizona in 2006, and we still own it today and manage it. But before that, residential home builder, spec homes, custom homes, that kind of thing, and pivoted into storage in 2006. And then went traveling as we talked about. And then once we came back here and started renovating houses, I said, the only thing we've really done in the past 10 years or so that's worked is storage. So maybe we should look at storage again. (laughs) Nice. So how does the development and construction of single family homes compare to these self-storage conversions? How many of the skills are translatable from residential development to self-storage conversion. And do you have a feeling that one of them is just easier than the other? Well, that's a tricky one. So the construction is a lot of work in general, especially now with prices and subcontractors and all the rest of it. So neither one of them are easy. The residential stuff, it's just a lot of details, a lot of meeting subs, meeting customers, just going through the whole process. And then you sell the home if it's a spec and then you go look for a lot and you start all over again. And it's just a treadmill. With the storage, what we liked about it, of course, is we're building a cash flow base. And yes, you put it in the work and maybe a residential home takes five months and a storage takes eight months or whatever. It's more work, obviously, on the front end, but then it's not sold and you got to do it again and again and again. Now it's cash flowing for long term. And that was like, okay, this makes way more sense. So we kind of hung up the residential side of things not looking to do possibly multifamily development down the road, maybe, but no more single family site built kind of stuff for us. Yeah, totally. And there's also a mindset shift there. Most developers are not thinking like investors and they're not thinking about building a portfolio for residual income the way that you do when you're building a portfolio of cash flowing self-storage. So there's definitely a mindset shift there that's going to lead to greater profitability over time and make your efforts in renovating more valuable over time as well. You know, an 18% IRR is going to be enticing to a lot of people. There are a lot of moving parts in what you're doing that increase the barrier to entry for a lot of investors, a lot of operators. That's exciting. I think about, I come from the apartment space. And one of the reasons I think that you're able to project the returns that you're projecting is because there are so many fewer operators who are capable of doing the kinds of deals that you're doing. When you are offering on these Kmarts, I keep coming back to that example, but you have (laughs) multiple Kmarts now, right, Eric? Just two, Um, just two. Just two. Uh, I would like to have two Kmarts too. Eric, when you're offering on these deals, do you sense that there is a lot of competition? No, not at all. The one we closed in December... I think it was for sale for two years and it had been vacant for five. So Kmart moved out five years ago, seller wanted to get rid of it. And it's just in a place where who's going to 
buy an 87,000 square foot building. Retails, right. Yeah. Retails bleak, right. For that kind of size. I don't even know. There's just not a lot of those tenants right now. So that was a great opportunity for us for sure. And then that led to the next one. Talked to a broker and he knew we did the one Kmart. And then he said, I know some guys that are selling a Kmart in Virginia. So would you consider that? And we said, yeah, we'll certainly look at it. And so there you go. Rest is history. I don't know anyone who would have wanted to be known as the Kmart guy 10 years ago, but it's highly (laughs) lucrative now, right, Eric? Yeah, we think so. It looks like it's going to work. Last question on these conversion deals. What kind of debt is available to you on these? What kind of financing are you getting? Good point. So we're using a community bank local to North Carolina, and we feel like we got a strong term on this one, 25-year amortization. 3.75 3.75 APR and seven-year term and 80% loan to value. Loan to cost, I should say. Loan to cost, so, gosh. Loan to so cost, it's, it's yes. 80% so. of your all-in around 35, 36. Yeah, 3.5 is our all-in. I'm sorry, it's close to, what did we say earlier? 3.5, 3.6, correct. Million. 3.5, 3.6. Yes, correct. Yeah, that's my error. Sorry about that, Eric. Yeah, yeah. So you're able to borrow even though more than half of your total cost is the construction component. You're still getting 80% debt on loan to cost. That's exciting. Yeah. And it's a relationship we've had. We've done other projects together. So that helps. But appraisal came in at 5.1 when complete. So right as soon as we get the thing built out, we're off to the races and stabilized goes up from there. Yeah. Awesome. Are you ready for the best ever lightning round, Eric? Hit me. Hit me with it. Great. Eric, what is your best ever way to give back? My wife started a nonprofit theater group. We've got a lot of kids. We've got six kids. So a lot of my kids are into theater and great singers and stuff. So my wife started a theater group called Acting Up. And it's a community theater. A lot of teaches 50 kids twice a week and something I can't even comprehend. So we work together on that. Nice. What is the best ever book you recently read? I'm almost done with Traction, Gino Wickman. We're at the stage where we're starting the syndication side and it's time to build the structure of how to do this the right way. And so that book came from a lot of recommendations and I've been making my way through it and it's as good as advertised. I'm working on implementing traction in my management company as well. Oh, good. What's the most money you've ever lost on a deal, Eric? I was thinking about that. I saw the question. So recent one was uh, we are dabbling in the hospitality space and we had a property Mm -hmm. under contract that we thought we had financing lined up for and let $30,000 go hard. And then lender changed the name of the tune on us after Mm. that. So ended up walking away from that. So that was a little painful, but didn't actually see a term sheet, but had a verbal, this looks Uh, good. And that was a tough decision. So 30,000 going hard. How big was the deal? What was the purchase price? Just around 3 million. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So like 1%. What's the most money you've made on a deal? We don't sell a lot. We typically buy and hold. So we haven't really exited out of stuff. We've done great on some spec houses. What's the largest appreciation or forced appreciation you've seen on one of your holds? Well, we just finished a another hospitality project at Curie Beach. We bought a, a boutique motel, nine rooms, and put in about a million. So we're going to be able to do a cost segregation and bonus depreciate that this year. And so that'll be a big help. Nice. And what is it worth now that you're done? On a cap rate, it's probably close to $5 million. Oh, wow. We're all in for just over two. Eric, what is your best ever advice? I was talking to somebody about this the other day. So I think for us, 
we take risky moves or that what seem like risky moves. And some people are like, well, that's just way out of my scope. So in my logic and what my son and I talk about is risk is a muscle that needs to be used. And I think every step you take leads to the next thing. We would have never dreamed about doing the deals we're doing now, even five years ago, forget 10 years ago when we were on a sailboat, but each little step kind of gets you ready for the next step. And so we're just super excited to see where this goes from here. And we feel like there's a lot of great opportunity left and we're just enjoying the ride. Absolutely. Eric, where can people get in touch with you? The best way is through our website, nomadcapital.us, or they can reach out with the email, E-R-I-K, Eric, at nomadcapital.us. And my son and I are starting a podcast very soon called The Real Estate Nomads. So you can find us there. We want to try to help people achieve a nomadic lifestyle, whatever that means for them, work how they want, where they want. We're obviously big travelers and real estate seems to be the best way to do it. Awesome. Well, best ever listeners, thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, please do follow and subscribe to the show. Leave us a five-star review and share this with someone who could benefit from what Eric has shared with us about self-storage conversion deals. Thank you and have a best ever day.